Hey, bunch of besties. Welcome back to Bunch of Beauties. I'm Sam Pravo, and my voice is shot uh, from last night, but we'll get to that. But as always, I'm joined by... Jennifer Molia. My voice is not shot for once. I'm usually the one saying that. Nice little... Nice little change of pace. And uh, I'm Ariel Melendez. Um, I'm just here. I don't really have anything. <laughs> just vibes. To vibes. Just vibes. Oh, just just vibes. It's our it's our requisite just vibes for the day. So true. So true. Um. So why don't we just get right into it? My voice is shot today because <laughs> I went to uh Smash Fest last night. Um, for those who don't know what Smash Fest is, it is um, a charity ping pong tournament run by Dominic Moore. Um, it's sponsored by multiple pe- uh, organizations and businesses and things like that, including the NHLPA. Um, and basically, it's for cancer and concussion research. This was the ninth annual, the first one in the United States. It was in Connecticut. Um, usually, it's in Toronto. Um, and I just said Toronto the way you're... Not supposed to say Toronto. Not supposed but to. <laughs> normally it's in Toronto, uh, but this year because of the border and like questions with COVID and all that, uh, Dom decided to have it in Connecticut. Um, and so I made the drive up. I'm staying in New Jersey for a few weeks and I came up a day earlier than I was supposed to so I could go to Smash Fest last night. Um, but I wanted to just talk about my experience a little bit because I love this event. It was my third Smash Fest. I started going in 2018, um, and Dom actually remembered me, guys. I walked up oh. to I walked up to him, and I was and immediately he was like, "It's so good to see you again. Thank you for coming." Um, and he called me a Smash Fest veteran, so I'm now noted Smash Fest veteran. <laughs> um but he was super super sweet and super appreciative he like I said he's just such a genuine person and it's such a great event that's why I like talking about it because it really everything really does go towards a great cause and he just cares so much about the event and making it the best that it can be him and his wife uh basically run it um they have an event staff obviously and a lot of like great volunteers but it's their brainchild basically so it was super fun and like the turnout was great for it being the first one in the states um they did a silent auction of a lot of cool stuff uh, including a kraken jersey so i got to see a kraken jersey in person um but i'll i'll run through the list of players that were there and then i'll just get into like little things with each of them but um, Chris Kreider, Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, Connor Clifton, John Hayden, Alex Kerfoot, Patrick Sharp, Brian Boyle, uh, Catherine Tappan, AJ Molesco, um, Dom, obviously, uh, Spencer Knight, Trevor Zegris, uh, Colin Blackwell, I feel like I'm forgetting people, uh, Jack Rathbone was there, um, Marty San Louis, Mike Richter, it was a really cool assortment of people, um, but, and I got to talk college hockey with a lot of the guys because uh Alex Kerfoot John Hayden and Connor Clifton all played in the ECAC while I was also in college at Quinnipiac with Connor in ECAC school um so we talked a lot about our time in college and uh it was really fun to reminisce but it makes me miss Quinnipiac a lot um <laughs> Jen you'll know what I'm talking about um we uh we also got to meet the youngest Clifton who just played his freshman year at Quinnipiac um and he was super nice and I told him that it'll get better that he'll have a better experience next year at Quinnipiac than he did this year um 
but yeah, I think the most like notable experience though was meeting Chris Kreider because like he's not a player that you know you get to meet every day. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I meet I meet NHL players like fairly often just by like going to practices or waiting outside of games or whatever. And but Chris uh, isn't one of those players that you see in those instances that often. Um, so getting to meet him and Brian Boyle, who uh, isn't in the NHL at the moment, was super cool. Um, they were very nice and personable. All of the players were really nice and personable. I have so many like fun little stories like now of like things that we talked about. Like uh, I told Chris Kreider and Brian Boyle that if the 2014 Cup Finals went to Game Seven, um, it would have been on the day of my prom. <laughs> and Chris Kreider said he would have missed his prom for Game Seven of the Cup Finals. And then Brian Boyle said if that series went to Game Seven, it would have been uh, during his wedding. Um, so he's glad he's glad that uh, they. It, I mean, I'm sure he didn't like the outcome, but um, he's glad yeah. that the series didn't go that long because he would have missed his wedding. And then apparently Chris Kreider had the time of his life at Brian Boyle's wedding. So he's happy that that wedding also went on. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we talked a long time with Chris and he told me we were talking about the hurricanes and he's he was like, oh, so many Rangers guys are, like, on the Hurricanes now. I was like, yeah. He's like, take good care of them. I'm like, I will. I promise. <laughs> um, but the funniest thing was uh, that he had just played Brian Boyle in, like, the ping pong tournament part of it when we um, were talking. And he was like, yeah, I just got finished beating up on Boyle. He, look, he's, he looks like Tarzan, but he plays ping pong like Jane. Incredible. I was like, amazing, amazing. But yeah, so many of the players are really nice. Like we have my friends, my friend that I was with has like a Long Island connection to a couple of the players. So we talked about Long Island and like all these experiences. And it was just really, it's always really cool to just like hang out with these players. Cause I mean, I feel like I've, I talk about this a lot, like off the podcast, but I talk about this a lot with, with people about how like hockey players, like no matter how big they are, or how long they've been in the league or whatever, they always are just so down to earth and really easy to talk to. And they're always willing to go to events like this. And like, I, I FaceTime my mom with Brian Boyle and my, my friend's brother, my friend's brother FaceTimed with Chris Kreider and like they signed whatever you wanted them to sign and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're just so I, down to earth is the best way to put it. They're just so kind yeah. and mm -hmm. easy and personable um, that it's always just so fun to go to events like these and it's all for such a great cause um, ultimately at the end of the day it's so worth you know the price of admission uh, I wouldn't say I would spend the extra money to actually play in the doubles tournament it's a little more expensive if you want to do that <laughs> but uh, getting to go and like enjoy the food enjoy the open bar enjoy hanging out with the players I showed Jack Rathbone pictures of my puppy like <laughs> Just things like being able to say small things like that is so cool and fun. And I just like my I have so much respect for Dom for uh, putting the event on every year and trying to do it this year. Uh, one more thing I'll say about it is I got to meet Catherine Tappan and AJ Malesko. And I just told them how inspiring they are mm -hmm. um, as women, you know, in sports media, especially Catherine, because she didn't, quote, play the game. Uh, <laughs> And she, you know, was on NBC's coverage of hockey for so long. Um, and so I just thank them both for, you know, just, you know, being an inspiration to, to girls like me who, you know, want to be, I mean, I don't want to be on air um, per se, but just, you know, working, covering hockey, working in media um, mm. is, uh, 
it's just so cool to like meet them and get to talk to them. Uh, and they were both also extremely nice. Um, and yeah, it was just a really, really fun night. And that's my little recap. Um, there are so many like small conversations, but I, I don't want to like sit here for a half hour and waste, waste all our time. Um, <laughs> talking about all the things I said with the players. Um, but, and I got photos with everybody. I think the funniest is my picture with Patrick Sharp. I'm like I'm squinting, like, laughing, laughing because <laughs> our picture came out horrible the first time. The lighting was terrible. <laughs> so I walked up to him. I was like, this picture's horrible. We need to retake it. And he was like, okay. So we retook it. And that's why I'm, I'm like squinting, laughing. If you, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see all the photos. I made a little thread of the photos um but Love to see it. but yeah everyone was really 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 fun and i'm excited for next year because it'll be smash fest 10 um oh wow and, i didn't realize it's been going on for that long yeah and dom said to me and my friend i don't even know if i should be saying this but fuck it oh well um he said that they're considering maybe doing it in multiple locations next year oh um, that would be cool which would be really cool i don't know if it would be like I, I'm guessing it would be different dates in different locations because he likes mm-hmm. to, he likes to be at that at the event and participate in the ping pong and everything. So I would think it would be multiple dates in um, multiple locations. But who knows? Maybe it's like a like a Smash Fest day kind of thing where like there's yeah. different ones going on in different places. I don't know if it'll be yeah. like Toronto. I'm guessing no matter what, it'll go back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because they usually they usually get a huge turnout and the venue it's at it's been at the same venue I think every single year except for this year mm-hmm. um and steam whistle is a really really nice venue um in toronto down in toronto it's right across from roger center and the cn tower if for those people listening that know toronto um <laughs> but who knows maybe they'll have another one in connecticut or new york or whatever um but if you if you ever get the chance to go if you have the spare funds because like i i understand like this is I, it's a privilege that i get to go the tickets you know 250 dollars um, but if you do have the spare funds, it's a, for a great cause. It's for charity. And uh, you get to uh, spend the night with some NHLers and hang out and drink and have a good time and potentially play ping pong if that's your style. So uh, <laughs> that's my little spiel about Smash Fest. I hope you all enjoyed. Yeah, I, I think it's, like you said, just a really great event, especially because you know it's all going new a great cause which is always good and and like you said there are ways to meet players like just outside of games or whether you go to signings or whatever but I think an event like that where they're just kind of like mingling is super unique and I'm sure it's a super fun experience I had another thing I want to say oh I think it would be cool if they did it in multiple locations because I feel like there's definitely a lot of interest for that in the states for people that couldn't necessarily get to Canada already and I mean now with COVID and you know, I don't know how people feel about crossing borders. I'm getting on a plane for the first time tomorrow, and I'm a little terrified, but I think it'll be fine. I'm going to double mask and pray. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great event for a great cause. I love Dom Moore. Loved him when he was on the Rangers. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you got to go sounds like a fun little time it was a fun little time. it was a very fun little time um <laughs> i you you bringing up mass reminded me they did um have a mask rule um there okay. because of the um new regulations the nhl put in i guess so um it was announced like a week or a week or two ago that the nhl has these new regulations on players and they're technically not allowed to like 
do what we did last night. Um, <laughs> but I guess it was too like close to Smash Fest to cancel it. Um, yeah. was my vibe because I know that the Beauty League in Minnesota um, was in contact with the NHL asking them what they should do about letting the players sign autographs after um, their games. So I know that this has been like a concern with many off-season events and that involve NHL players. Um, but they made it, they made multiple announcements um, at Smash Fest that uh, it was suggested to wear a mask um, in, in the venue. They didn't check like for vaccination or negative tests or anything, but they just suggested that, you know, you, sh- you should wear a mask and especially if you're not vaccinated um, and that you should really only take it off if you're eating, drinking, or if you're able to socially distance, the venue wasn't that big. So that last one mm-hmm. didn't really happen. Um, but all of the staff were wearing masks. Um, the bartenders, the people giving us food, the event staff, everyone had a mask on. Um, I kept mine on for uh, a portion of the night. I, a lot of other uh, I don't know, patrons, guests, whatever you want to say, attendees uh, also wore masks. Um, I felt pretty safe. Um, but yeah, I wanted to get that out there because I think maybe some people will probably sit there and be like, no one has a mask on. Everyone's around each other. But it, it, it was <laughs> it felt like I'm vaccinated. So I, I tend to feel safer in somewhat crowded environments because I I can only control myself I can't control other people um for sure but it was I I think they put all the proper precautions in place and it it went off without a hitch so congrats to Dom for another successful year (laughs) um and with that we will get into the news I guess um (laughs) But first, uh, I guess this is news, but also a self-promo for Jen. Um, she talked about it. Oh. She talked about it a few weeks ago um, when she actually did the interview. But Jen, you can talk about it now. Uh, yeah. Again. So I did an interview. Someone is mowing their lawn outside my window and I don't think you guys can hear it. But like this is going to be my last straw today. Um, anyway, um, I got interviewed by... Brock McGillis, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's great. Um, He was he the first, I feel like I said the same thing the first time we talked about him. I believe he was the first or one of the first uh, professional men's hockey players to come out as gay. Um, I can just say among the first for formality purposes. Um, And his Twitter is, I think it's just, it's Brock underscore McGillis. Um, He's great. Um, he is involved with a lot of, um, activism and just generally advocating for LGBTQIA plus rights, um, in general and in the world of sports. And he did this interview project, I believe it was like inspired by, um, Pride Month, but, uh, every, every, every month is Pride Month. So the interviews are, um, starting to go up now where he kind of just put out like an open call for anybody who's queer and involved in hockey and want to be interviewed about it. Um, it was a super great experience. He's awesome. I love talking to him. Um, the questions he asked were like not super complicated, but I feel like they sparked like really good discussion. Um, and overall the interview is just a really great experience by the end of it. You know, I think the last question he asked was like, what gives you hope for like, queer people in hockey and you know I gave my answer or whatever and he was like well honestly like these interviews are giving me so much hope and like I can only imagine you know when you 
when you see like the numbers in front of you of all the people who are participating in this, you know, definitely overwhelming, but not bad, overwhelming, good, overwhelming. Um, so that's out now it's on YouTube. Um, if you, if you just type in my full name, it comes up on YouTube. I'm not sure. I think he made a separate channel for it just called like hockey pride or hockey pride interviews or something like that. Um, I found it because I was trying to find my Ted talk the other day to send to somebody. And this was in the search results now. Yeah, the channel is just called Hockey Pride, and the name of the video is Hockey Pride Jennifer Malia. Um, so if you would like to watch that, yep. that is on YouTube. And we also shared yeah. it, um, we also shared it on the podcast Twitter. Um, oh, yeah, we, we, did. we shared Brock's tweet, so um, if you would, like, follow up, if you, well, you should be following us on Twitter, but if you follow <laughs> us on Twitter, um, it's our latest tweet, um, aside from, uh, if you're listening to this, the, uh, tweet saying that the episode's out um but the previous one before that uh is us talking about how proud we are of jen um but it's a quote tweet um from of brock's tweet um just saying that jen's interview's out and where you can find it listen to it so highly recommend yeah Yeah, definitely don't just watch mine too there are a ton of interviews with all kinds of different people with players with personnel with people who are just fans people who work in sports and I've been trying to watch as many of them as I can or at least watch clips of as many of them as I can um and they're all just incredible it's been super great I'm very grateful to Brock for setting all of this up um I I think we definitely need more stuff like this in the sports world and I'm hoping that we get more of that as time goes on absolutely definitely a very great experience yeah if you watch the interview on youtube definitely go to the channel or i'm sure more that like if, if in your suggestions it'll be like on the sidebar or whatever so like jen said definitely watch more than jen's um <laughs> i know sarah sivian did one um to like name other people in media that have done it um i saw hers i retweeted hers but it's a long list of people and there's more to come so definitely um Watch them. We'll look out for more. Follow Brock. End scene. Um, so, I feel like there was... Oh, Liz Knox did one. That was yes. who I wanted to mention. I was trying to think. I was like, I feel like there's a women's hockey player who did one. My brain's not, like, at full capacity at this moment. So I, I yeah, don't can't... Me. You know, if you want me to name people who did interviews with Brock, good luck. <laughs> I can barely remember my name right now. That's um, okay. We, we vibe. We roll. So, uh, it's been, in comparison to the last few weeks, uh, it's been a little slow with news, which I think is a welcome, uh, a welcome thing. (laughs) Refreshing, yeah. Very refreshing. Um, but there are still some, uh, interesting RFAs that haven't signed yet, and one of whom is Elias Pettersson of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and there's been lots of rumors about an offer sheet potential for him. Um, and I guess he got asked about his future. And this is from uh, Rick Dollywall. He's uh, qu- quoted Patterson as saying, I want to stay there now, meaning Vancouver. But I also want to play for a team that's winning and has the chance to go far into the playoffs every year. If we have that chance when my next deal expires, I don't know. I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. Yeah. So yeah. that's a quote. Can't blame you, King. Kind of can't blame you. Oh, those are words. <laughs> I mean, I know that there's been a lot of 
turmoil when it comes to the Canucks and their consistent mediocrity, I guess we can say. Um, So, again, I I don't think any of us blame Pedersen for saying that um, and potentially wanting to go somewhere else. I... I, I wonder if this is a situation where we actually do see like someone sign an offer sheet and leave the, their team. Yeah, I feel like whenever we think about or talk about offer sheets, it's just kind of like this like threat just kind of like looming over like, oh, like offer sheet, like wonder what's going to happen. Um, and I feel like we don't really see anything happen with them. The only thing that I can think of um, where there was like an actual possibility of something that would have happened was with Sebastian Ajo a couple years ago yeah and nothing really happened they just matched it and it was fine yeah um <laughs> that was, so I'm yeah that was Mark Bergevin basically trying to call Dundon's bluff about money because I think there's a yeah. there's a there's a uh, a narrative that Tom Dundon is is cheap which is true in some respects isn't true in others um yeah and I know that the way the offer sheet was like structured and everything, the contract they would have given Aho would have had a uh, had a has because he they matched it, but it has a lot of a uh, hefty signing bonuses. And mm-hmm. Bergevin and the and the Canadians thought that that would um, dissuade Dundon from matching. So he because he didn't want to he wouldn't want to pay that all that money in those signing bonuses up front. But mm-hmm. Dundon said bet and <laughs> matched Ha-ha, it. You thought. And matched it, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the only, um, like, recent example of me thinking, oh, maybe he's going to sign an offer sheet. Um, I remember a lot of people were kind of speculating about that, um, but nothing happened. So I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be another case of, oh, maybe he's going to sign an offer sheet, and then he doesn't. Um, (laughs) There were rumors about Mitch Marner as well with offer sheets. Yeah, um, yeah. When his contract dispute with the Leafs was going on. Yeah, I mean, I I am inclined to think that nothing's going to happen just because that's kind of the name of the game recently, um, where we kind of get excited and uh, or anticipate something and nothing happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's but that's and I mean, fair. I feel like there's going to be he's going to get flack for that quote, um, but. I, as I said before, I feel like you can't really blame him for what he said. I know a lot of times people will be like, well, you don't say that publicly or why did he, why did he say that? Why did he allow himself to be quoted saying that? But I don't know. I kind of can't blame him. He's young and he wants to play for a team that's good and win games. (laughs) And I kind of feel like we can't fault anyone for that. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's like this big emphasis put on team loyalty, especially recently and it's like I, I don't know if I'm like insane, but I'm kind of like, who cares? Like, I, I don't know if if your team sucks and you have an opportunity to go somewhere where your team doesn't suck. Like, I will not blame you for going there. Like, if it's my team and I'm a fan of you, yours, like I might be upset, but I'm not gonna be like, how dare he go go from my 32nd place team to a team that made like the conference final, like. I think it's silly to blame a player for something like that because you have no idea yeah. what you would have done if you were in their shoes. And I just think for us to say, well, 
I would say loyal to my team. Girl, do you have no idea what you would do? We, we also don't yeah. know. We also don't know, like, what's going on behind the scenes. Sorry if I cut you off. A hundred percent. We don't know, like... Yeah, you're good. We don't know how he feels the organization has treated him, like, over the last few years. I mean, he is basically... Him and Brock Besser, I would say, are basically the future going forward. Him, Brock Besser... Quinn Hughes and Demko, I guess, are like their their core four going forward. Um, yeah. And I think with that with that label comes the expectation that you're going to be treated very very well. Um, and I don't maybe I mean this is this isn't me like saying I know anything. This is just me <laughs> saying we don't we don't know how he feels the organization has yeah. treated him, considering that he is their future going forward. Um, I think I think we yeah. s- we see how that is with Jack Eichel right now, so that's my two cents. Yeah, on uh, the the only thing I I was gonna I was gonna say, which I feel like kind of goes perfectly with what you just said, um, is I found another quote from, um, his interview, and I don't I don't know if this is telling or not, just because like, guessing he's obviously back home, because the the interview itself was with a Swedish reporter, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, and he said his agents do all the talking with the Canucks and then his agents inform him about what's going on. And mm. then right now they're just, they're not in an agreement, but he's not worried. It's like, of course he's, he's going to say it. they're not worried, but I don't, I don't know if that's telling or not that the, that the talk is going just through his agent and then going back to him. But yeah. I mean, if he's back home, if he's back home, that's kind of understandable. I know. I know he I'm is sure back home. Hard to, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure it's hard to like be able to, talk back and forth that way so i don't know if that's telling or not that it's going all through the agents but i thought that was kind of an interesting little little note from the interview that is very interesting i think it is because he's back home in sweden um that you know with time zones and everything because yeah like it, it would be hard if this was an east coast team but they're in the on the west coast of Canada, so it's yeah. a huge time difference to Sweden. So I I understand maybe like why he would want to go through his agents for that. Also, I if I had an agent and I was in negotiations, excuse me, um, I uh, I would trust my agent more than myself to like know about numbers yeah. and negotiating and what buttons mm. to push and and all that kind of stuff. Like obviously. I'm sure he's in communication with his agents about what he wants from the Canucks and ultimately like what kind of what he wants his contract to kind of look like. So as long as those needs are communicated, those needs slash wants are communicated to the agent, then I would trust them to get it done. Um, I I think a lot of them defer to their agents in that case. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I know that he's, I mean, it's a hefty offer sheet, I would think, and the compensation is once it gets into those like close to double digit millions range, um, the compensations like multiple first round picks or like a first, second, third, whatever it is. Um, and I know that that's hefty for some teams to give up just for one person. Um, so, cause I know like when the offer sheet for Aho went out, it was like just enough money that it would be like enticing for Aho, but it wasn't in like the highest bracket of compensation. So yeah. that was why the yeah. Marner one never materialized because I think anyway, because the compensation for what he was looking for and he, they would have had to go above what the Leafs were offering him. It just would have been like insane compensation for one person. 
Yeah, I think that, and not to get on my soapbox, I feel like I do this a lot on on our show, um, but I feel like a lot of times when Ariel's laughing at me, I feel like a lot of times, <laughs> you know, when we're talking about like contracts and offer sheets and money, like we forget like how much money it is, like not to sound stupid, but like as someone who like goes on cap friendly a lot and talks about money and contracts a lot like I feel like I get numb to how much money it is sometimes and I have to stop and be like oh my god like that's like (laughs) tens of millions of dollars and like I don't I don't I don't get paid that much at my job you know I don't none of us do I don't get I don't get paid It's just funny to me, like, when we talk about it, like, the way Sim's like, yeah, like, maybe it wasn't enough money to, like, entice him. And we're talking about, like, tons of millions of dollars. That just, like, tickled my funny bone. Thought I would <laughs> my share funny my bone. Yeah, oh my, my, my humorous thought it was humorous, so I had to share. No, I, f- I feel like that's a very <laughs> good, I feel like that's a very good point, which is why I was, like, laughing the whole time. Um, but also just, like, hearing you get on your soapbox is, like, I always know it's going to be something good, Thank so, you. which is Thank why you. I was, like, dead the whole time. Um, I appreciate it. But that that is something to think about. It's, like, we don't realize, like, just how much money, like, all this is. And I'm, like, because I was, like, just looking up, like, offer sheet stuff just to see, like, an idea of what one would look like for him. Yeah. And you're talking, like, upwards of 10, over 10 million for it to even have a chance because the Canucks have about, I don't know how, see, this was from, oh no, this was a recent article. Okay. So the Canucks have like 14 million in cap space um, left right now. And an offer sheet for, for him would be like, it says like the compensation tiers about the four first round picks area, yeah. which is upwards of 10.2 mil. Um, so yeah, a lot of money. Um, and yep. with the Canucks not having that much space, if they were to match that, because they also need to sign Quinn Hughes as well. Um, and then it says Jason Dickinson um, as well. A couple other guys they have to sign, but Quinn Hughes being a big name as well, that that's going to garner, um, to garner some money. I, I don't know what his current contract is right now, but you know, that's, I think a, a genuine worry that the Canucks might have, but also like the NHL like doesn't like chaos and offer sheets don't happen that often. It would be fun to see, um, especially an offer sheet that high because it, I think it would be tough for the Canucks to match that with with the amount of cap space that they need for other players. So I, I think it would be interesting to see if anybody goes for it. But like like you said, I don't think we're gonna get that chaos just because like the NHL doesn't doesn't do chaos like that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to just be another situation where there's like, will the, will they, will they, will someone, will they do it? Will someone have, will mm-hmm. someone do it? And then it never happens. Um, yeah. And I, I but it's fun to talk yeah. about. Yeah. And I think, I just think the Canucks, like from a PR perspective, like can't afford to uh, let him go. No. Um, yeah. That would definitely cause a, um, an uproar, if you will. Yeah. I mean, that organization's I mean, even before all the, you know, Jake Bertan and stuff, they yeah. had the league's biggest COVID outbreak and yeah. and they're and I mean, they're just notorious for questionable off season decision making and 
since the Sedin years, they haven't really been able to, you know, put together Do like anything. a real competitive team, like a, like a contender, really. Yeah. So, I mean, the run in the bubble was great. And I think it gave people a lot of hope. And then yeah. this season happened. So, um, I mean, well, it's an interesting situation for the Canucks to be in. And I, I don't envy Canucks fans at the moment. Yeah. Um, one more mm-hmm. thing I'll say about about Elias Patterson is uh, I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram, but and this became like a meme on Twitter anyway. So maybe you saw it in that in that form. <laughs> but he posted a photo. This is how I know he's in Sweden. He posted a photo on his Instagram story and he said, just bought my first ever book. And I did oh, see that. And it's and it's uh it was the Swedish version of the art of not giving a fuck. Um, I saw that. Yeah. But like just bought my first book ever. Like I know we joke that hockey players don't know how to read, but like that was just like too mood. on the nose. Too far, yeah. That's a mood right there. <laughs> like bought my first ever book. Can't wait to read finally. Like Ooh. Oh, like it just reminds me of when Roman Yossi was it was like never have I ever and he put read a book and everyone's like wait what like yeah it just like it gives me big that energy like never have I ever read a book and he's like like he thinks it's like normal like oh haha like I just don't read books like ha guys you you guys ever read me neither ha ha ha. (laughs) reading huh what's that all about (laughs) reading am I right what's the deal with books God. <laughs> but a lot of people made funny memes and like changed the book in his hand because like the picture is like yeah is yeah. just him holding the book so like like no face or anything just his hand in the book so people yeah. were photoshopping different uh different covers onto the book and everything i guess they don't have the scholastic book fair in sweden oh i miss the scholastic book fair I too miss the Scholastic Book Fair. My mom taught in the school that I went to, so I would just go to the book fair with my class, tell her which books I wanted, and then when she went with her class, she would get them for me. So incredible! That was my cheat code. That. that was my Scholastic Book Fair cheat code. I, I think we should get a Scholastic Book Fair for all the NHL players who have never read a book. Instead of the All Star Game, every year just one arena hosts a Scholastic Book Fair. One big book fair, baby. They could do it like really dramatic too, like a draft. Like guys, who gets Frog and Toad? Like, oh my God, <laughs> Frog and Toad. Who gets to pick Frog and Toad, guys? Honestly, though, like the book fair, the best part was the stuff that wasn't books. Like, yeah, like this, like all the erasers that were like different shapes and like pet, like cool funky <laughs> pens and like. All that yeah. other stuff. Like, I always picked out, like, a book or two, but I was like, but can I also get, like, this thing that I'll never probably use but I think is cool? <laughs> my um, my elementary school would do, we would do, like, multiple book fairs a year, but they would always yeah. do one, like, around the holidays, like, the middle of December. So there would be, like, a book section, and then there would be, like, a holiday gift section. And I would, like, get holiday gifts for everyone. And I got my dad... Um, obviously, you cannot buy um, licensed merchandise at the Scholastic Book Fair if somebody else owns the rights to it. So they had a fake Mr. Met uh, stuffed animal. He uh, he does not he does not look exactly like Mr. Met. He definitely is a baseball for a head, um, and he definitely does have a body, but that's not Mr. Met. Um, and I <laughs> and I got it for my dad. I had to be in first or second grade. 
And I was so proud of this ugly little thing that I got for him. And he still like keeps it in his apartment, like on display. And I'm like, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Like Mr. Meta's necklace, like that is a head and a body, like no neck for him. That's so wholesome though. Yeah, I mean, shout out to my off-brand Mr. Met. Shout out to the Scholastic Book Fair. That's like a, I feel like that's a, that's like a core memory of like every, every adult, like that's like a core childhood memory, like unlocked if you bring up the Scholastic Book Fair. Just years of memories just flooding back. That was always the best because then you, and you got to miss like class time to go to the Scholastic Book Fair. I'm I'm all for this idea now, bringing a book fair to NHLers. I think it would be fun and like, and just like video it. Like yeah. social media managers, like this is your next idea. Like just set up a camera and put out like, a, a, like some tables of children's books and like see what each player takes. I guarantee it would be a hit. Um, my <laughs> my vote would be for if you give a pig a pancake because that's one of my favorite books from growing up. Very solid book. All those books were good. Like mouse a cookie, moose a muffin. Yep, you know the vibes. Um, I was a big pink alicious fan loved her um you know when she she ate all the pink cupcakes and her skin turned pink so true queen we all we all fight we all fight struggles you know god gives us toughest battles to his strongest soldiers like she got through that um there was also there was also a purplicious silverlicious and goldalicious uh in the series i really don't remember what happened in those books um her skin did not change color from cupcakes again though so i i maintain that pinkalicious was the og it was a good book. Ariel, what was your Ariel, what was your favorite chi- childhood oh, book? Oh god. I feel we like I was so like basic. That's okay. That's okay. Like I I feel like I was that basic like uh Dr. Seuss kid. Oh, like fair, all those though. like one fire. fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, like just fire. The classic like just just the classics like Sam I am, like Green Eggs and Ham, like just No, as you should. Just I Just that basic basic. <laughs> I went to the Dr. Seuss Museum in Massachusetts last summer Um, for anybody listening. It was like a little like because obviously COVID was a lot more prominent uh, this time last year than it is this year. Um, I guess depending on you look at it. I don't know. Um, But I went to the Dr. Seuss Museum in Massachusetts. Um, It's barely even Massachusetts. It's like on the little border in Connecticut. And it's definitely made for children um definitely um but it was so much fun i recommend anybody in the northeast who's looking for a little day trip on the dr seuss museum in massachusetts i got to take pictures with cat in the hat and the lorax and horton from horton here's a who um i got to take a picture by the street sign that said mulberry street it was lovely there was a little garden little food court um recommend that's my uh trip advisor for the episode i don't know why i just thought about this but that's how i felt like as an older child going to the crayola factory like it's definitely for children but i had so much fun especially at the end when you just they let you loose in this room that with buckets of crayons like every color they've ever made and they give you a bag and you can just fill it with crayons yeah, I would have cried probably. It was amazing. Like, I think I, 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 uh, until we moved recently and I had to like clear out all my stuff, I had a big bucket just full of crayons. And then probably most of them I got at the Crayola factory because I went a couple times when I was younger. And I just had like all these colors that I forgot existed from Crayola. So 
that's our little trip advisor. If you want to go to the Northeast, go to the Dr. Seuss Museum. If you want to go out to Pennsylvania, go to the Crayola Crayon Factory. And you can, like, make your own crayons, too. Yeah, I remember, like, that part where they give you, like, the little tin you fill it with crayons. And I I did a lot of the um, the orange crayon that they call mac and cheese because I love mac and cheese. I love that color. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It wasn't it wasn't very uh like opaque. It was very opaque. It it wasn't a very vibrant yeah. color. Any of no, those was- like yellowy orange colors never came out right from Crayola no. Crayons. Okay, That's okay. This has been a huge tangent, but I love I enjoyed every second of it. That was fun. <laughs> petition for I'm gonna like start like a change.org p- petition or whatever, like bring the scholastic book fair to the NHL. I want it. I want it right now. All right. Well, let's get back to, to <laughs> hockey news. Um, On that note. I think the other big news about um, young a younger player and a contract, I guess, is the whole Kirill Kaprizov um, saga with Minnesota. They're really trying to sign him, but they can't seem to come to terms with him. And I think the last r- rumored report. I come in. Sh- I'm sorry, guys. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, before I was interrupted, um, he allegedly is going to sign in the KHL and not return to Minnesota. Um, so I don't know if anybody had thoughts on that. I thought it's, I think it's interesting how he can't, like, after the season he had with the Wild, they still can't seem to, like, work something out with him. For sure. I mean, the, the norm, I guess, is for players to just continue with, the NHL after their first season, especially since he had such a successful season. Um, So I definitely think it's unusual or it would be unusual for him to sign with the KHL. I feel like I, I personally would not suspect that. I don't know if anybody else would suspect that. Um, Yeah, definitely not the norm. Yeah. I think it's an interesting situation. Um, I, I don't know that we've seen that happened in a while. I don't remember yeah. the last player that maybe like quote unquote like threatened to go to the KHL if you're like <laughs> like don't pay me, okay bye. Like that's yeah, kind like, of what yeah. that, I mean that's kind of what but I mean for the Minnesota Wild for for that to have gotten to this point, I mean they've already kind of lost so much and, and having to make those buyouts, their cap is like just for lack of a better word, their cap is fucked. Like for the yeah, next, yeah. like so many years, with with them having to buy out Suter and Parise, um, th- those capits are kind of gonna hurt them for a long time, and, and I think now with the whole Kaprizov thing, I mean, I don't know if it's actually gonna happen if he's gonna end up going to the KHL or if this is kind of his bluff, mm-hmm. or like if he'd really be like, okay, bye, like you're yeah, not gonna yeah. pay me, like I'm just gonna go to the KHL and like have fun there and. But, I mean, the only thing with that, obviously, is if he goes to the KHL, Minnesota obviously holds his rights for a couple years still. I think I think it was until he's 27. Mm-hmm. They would still yeah. hold his rights. So, it, is it a case of, like, I'm going to go to the KHL, like, figure it out? Like, figure out if you're going to pay me or not? If not, like, I'm just going to hang here for a couple years? But I think it's just a very interesting situation yeah. that there's a chance that Minnesota is going to lose him, too. After, you know, such a successful season. Like, just imagine, like, the Calder Trophy winner. Just being like, alright, peace. Like, I'm going to the yeah. KHL now. Like, my team doesn't want to pay me. Like, bye. That's just yeah. what yeah. it seems like to me. I mean, I, from what I had heard, he basically... he The Wild want to lock him up long-term, as they should. 
Um, yeah, but right. I think because of the cap and knowing that it's going to go up and knowing that this is only the beginning of his career and that he potentially has a higher ceiling than where he's at right now. Um, I know that he wants a shorter term deal so that he'll, so he can make money now, but he'll make even more in like three, four yeah. years. Um, and I, I don't know if that's at, like something the wild are too thrilled about doing. So I think it's, it's something along those lines of just like figuring out like term and money and those kinds of things. Cause I don't blame like Kat Kaprizov's perspective of like, I know you guys can't pay me now, but like, and like you're paying me based on this one year, but what if I do the same thing like three more times? <laughs> <laughs> like, what if I'm like just like good and I get like better? Right. Like, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's that like betting on yourself. Thing, so I get yeah. it. Yeah. 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 yeah he's, it, it's a very fair thing for him to want that short term, you know, to kind of be, to kind of not, obviously, he doesn't need to prove himself. He did, I mean, he needs to prove himself again that he can do what he did you know, multiple times, but it, it is just him betting on himself and, and wanting that opportunity to cash in on an even bigger, like, paycheck down the line. And, and I know I think with everything coming out about the KHL, I think I saw something that said Minnesota's, like, maybe now interested in going on a shorter term, but, I mean, at this point, if the threat is real, you kind of have to, like, think about, like, do we really want to lose him over like just a couple years? Yeah, that, yeah. That seems like what the main issue is. Obviously, um, again, saying like we don't know what's going on truly behind the scenes, but it, it seems like a lot of the issue here is the length of the contract and not necessarily the money. Yeah. Um. So I don't think, from Minnesota's perspective, I don't think it's worth potentially losing him to the KHL over a couple years. But yeah. I, I mean, obviously we're not in that front office. We don't know yeah. everything else going on, but like your cap is already like screwed anyway. Yeah. So like, he, don't, uh, don't lose him just for this. And he yeah. also, he also, I think is in a unique situation because he didn't have the normal three-year entry-level contract. Mm -hmm. So like we wouldn't, mm -hmm. if he was on a normal three-year entry-level, we wouldn't be having this conversation because he mm -hmm. would still have two more years to keep playing. And then, he probably would be getting a even bigger payday because he, he he I would think that he's probably going to do the same thing at least one more time within the next three years. I mean, sophomore slumps happen, so yeah. we can take that into account. Let's say he has a bad year next year. Well, the year after, if he comes back, that would be the entry level contract. So I understand where he's coming from in that, like his situation is just so unique in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so mm -hmm. it's it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out because. I, again, I say like 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 I said for the for the Canucks, it's a bad PR look to lose him. I think it'd be the same for the Wild. A bad, it's a bad look to finally bring him over with like after all the anticipation of him of him joining the team. He joins the team and he blows everybody's expectations out of the water, and then they're like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> like J.K. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I think you make a, a good point with with the whole PR. Um, standpoint because yeah Minnesota fans did wait so long um, for Kaprizov to come over to begin with and then for him to have that kind of year that he did and kind of you know the excitement is real like the the fans waiting for Kaprizov like they finally got what they wanted and they could see how good he was and for it to come to like for it to come to this at this point it's just another like slap in the face kind of to, yeah. to wild fans I think yeah, Agreed. and I, and they're finally getting to a place where they're really good, and I like I I'm really optimistic for like the Wild's future, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think this would be a, a turn in the wrong direction, like taking two steps back after you took one step forward, you know. 
Um, so it's an interesting situation. And I think it's one of the under, I, I don't want to say underrated, but like under talked about storylines mm-hmm. right now in the off season. Yeah. Cause you have the Patterson stuff, Eichel stuff, just like all this other stuff looming in the off season that this has kind of gone under the radar um, in comparison. And I think it's a really fascinating situation to be keeping tabs on because it could, I think this could really impact the wild's future going forward if they don't keep him. So, um, and then what if he wants to sign somewhere else while after spending some time in the KHL and, you know, taking time to think or whatever. So, and they already, you know, have it like concerns with Marco Rossi and all that. So, you know, it's just a, an interesting situation in, in Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's. I think that one of those last points you made is something to think about. Also, is if he does go back to the KHL, like it feels pretty hard that he would come back to Minnesota. If it if it comes to that point where he's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the KHL because like we can't figure this out. Like, what are the odds that he comes back and, and comes back to Minnesota that they're able to figure things out after that? I I would think. I would think at least if he does go to the KHL, that kind of cuts ties with Minnesota. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. just because of the ramifications of all that, not only, you know, with him going back, but just for Minnesota as a whole, you know, how much that kind of turns on them. And that it, it, I think it would just be hard to rebuild that relationship. If yeah. Go to the KHL. I don't think it's worth the risk of burning the bridge, right? Like you said. Yeah. Um, Like we've been talking about, like the PR issue and just like, the fact that like this is your team's future you're kind of playing with I don't know if it's worth it over like dispute over years and everything I feel like this isn't this is like might be a reach but I feel like this feel the negotiations feel somewhat similar to like what happened with the Hurricanes and Ducky Hamilton like there was a dispute over like term and money and then you know you hear the the final offer that they gave Ducky and you're like seriously oh. I think they offered him like six and a half million dollars, if I remember correctly, and he ended up getting nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's just like these, like I mean, like the cap, obviously, like you said, Ariel, like really puts these teams in a bind. But you have this situation where, and I think the this is like a this is like very disjointed, and I'm sorry, I'm still not functional, <laughs> but um, okay. I feel like players are seeing what's happening in like the NBA, especially where these players are taking the shorter term deals, they're deciding their futures, they're deciding where they they're making their own choices of like, I want to play here, make it happen. And for sure, teams make it happen. And, you know, players are deciding like, I'm going to go play with this guy because I know him or like, whatever. And I think NHL players are seeing that attitude and seeing how it's working out for NBA players, especially when it comes to winning championships. And I think they're starting to lean into that mindset of like, I'm going to take a shorter term deal so that way I can get more money in the future. Or that way I'm not locked into this team for eight years. If I want to go somewhere where I can win, I'll I'll force my team's hand, that kind of stuff. Um, So I find, I think this is like an interesting trend and I think it'll, we'll continue to ride this wave. And like, as the cap goes up, even, I think maybe more and more players are going to start leaning towards that and I think teams teams don't want to be locked into players for that long anymore or like they they do in certain cases but in other cases they prefer the shorter term deal because then they're not stuck with a shitty contract in the end and then they have to yeah. dump they have to dump it or put it on long term IR or whatever it is 
Yeah, I, I think that I think that is a good point. The whole like long term thing, we're, we're kind of seeing that bite a lot of teams. Um, late, I think especially lately this season uh, or this off season, I should say, we're seeing a lot of those long contracts, like sticking with the Minnesota Wild, the whole Suter Parise thing. We're seeing those matching long term contracts kind of coming back to bite teams. It, it's because they're kind of forced to play that. Well, are we going to buy you out? Are we just going to let you ride out the rest of this deal? when you're not really helping the team anymore, when the when the money's not being justified in that contract. So I, I think teams might be smart. I don't know that GMs necessarily are going to be smarter just because, like, like I said, like, this is the NHL. Like, GMs aren't always the smartest people in the world. But I think with the players especially, we are seeing a lot of those guys being smarter in terms of, you know, going somewhere, like you said, on that, that shorter-term deal or, or less money you know, cash in later or just because they believe this team, you know, they believe a team can make it and they want to be able to help. So they're like, all right, I'll come in on this short term deal because I think I can help you guys out. And I and I believe in what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. So I think on the players perspective, at least we are seeing a lot of those guys being smarter or being a little more savvy and where they decide. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it you see a trend where the players that have families and you know, our, our young families and or even like kids in school and they're trying to like get their future sorted, they lean into like wanting the long-term contract. A perfect example mm-hmm. in this offseason is Gabriel Landeskog. He really wanted the long-term deal um, because he has two kids and he's building his life and, and those kinds of things. And then you have the opposite case where you have players that are young and single and are, you know, just, just want to play hockey and win and win. And they might lean into shorter term deals. I mean, Austin Matthews didn't take max term. Um, he took five years, I believe. Um, and I, I, I just think I just go back to that trend of like when you don't want to you don't necessarily have to put down roots for like a family's sake. I, 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 and you I feel like you look more where can I win? Where can I have success? Mm. As opposed to like if I stay here, I have to move my family here and I have to make sure that like it's a place I want to raise my kids and all those kind those things come into come into play a lot as well. I think that's yeah, my, I think, my yeah. that's my little disjointed rant. Yeah, that's no, I, okay. I, I mean it, it. It makes a lot of sense because um, you are seeing the the things on on the flip side of uh, what we were talking about of players wanting to you know have that future for their family, go closer to their kids. Um, was it was it Keith that was it Duncan Keith that yeah did, Duncan Keith he was the one who wanted to be closer to his family, which is mm-hmm. why he kind of like in in a way forced where he was gonna go. But you're, you're seeing that with a lot of a lot of older you know veteran guys is they're starting to like get towards that tail end of their career and they want to finish they want to finish it out closer to their family and that was a perfect example of it with Keith is is he obviously doesn't have a lot of time left. I mean he's probably gonna ride out the rest of his career where he is. Mm-hmm. Um. So you're you're seeing that too with those guys. Is they want to they want to settle down finally. They they realize things mm-hmm. are ending and they want to be close to family. So you're you're seeing a lot of different trends, but you're seeing it with like similar age groups, like the older guys with that, the younger guys. Kind of what you were just talking about, Sam. Is you're seeing those trends with those guys? Yeah. You know, kind of forcing teams' hands, which I think is is very interesting to see in the NHL. Is these players kind of giving themselves their own voice of where they want to go? how they want, you know, their careers to go. I think that's 
something we really are seeing more in the NHL, and I, I think definitely a trend to be paying attention to, especially with, with just what with what we've seen recently. Yeah, I think Jack Eichel is a perfect example of that for like being like I'm fed up with losing and I want out and I'm f- forcing your hand basically like I'm basically without without orchestrating the trade myself because I can't basically like just get me the fuck out of Buffalo and like literally the Buffalo situation is obviously unique but I think like maybe we're seeing it with Elias Pettersson and and Vancouver of like I I I don't necessarily want to leave I mean Vancouver is a great city from everything that I've heard Mm -hmm. about it but I understand the feeling of like I'm young I'm a I'm a rising superstar in the league and I want to go where my star can shine and I can win I mean I don't blame that that mindset at all um yeah no sure. that's that's pretty fair that, i think it's a pretty fair thing for him especially i mean we've talked about vancouver and what they are so i, I think kind of towing that line too is he didn't necessarily be like this team is shit i don't like it here like i want no, to go somewhere he, else. Did, he didn't go <laughs> full he didn't go he didn't go full yeah he didn't go full jack eichel of like i'm i'm done goodbye <laughs> Like, it's it's also towing that line of, like, keeping that door open yeah. in, in Vancouver, being like, I like it here, I want to stay here, but, like, I also want to win because it, it kind of forces that hand with your with your GM to be like, okay, if I want to keep this guy, I need to build a team around him that, yeah. that's going to succeed, that's going to win games. So I feel like he kind of played that a little smart, too. We're, we're seeing that, too, in, in these guys. Like, not necessarily being like, I want to get traded in some circumstances, but being like, I just want to win. Like I want to, you know, I want to be surrounded by guys who want to win. Yeah. So I think he's playing that in a very interesting way. Yeah, culture is very important. I think. Um, and a- another person that I just thought of that like made the decision to go somewhere for their family's sake was Justin Williams. Did that? He went back to Carolina because yeah. he wanted to retire there, and now he works for the team. So, like, like we've been saying, you just see all these different trends now with contracts and stuff like that. I mean, the Suter and Parise thing is is unique because it was one of the last deals that was done before they put limits on length of contracts because they got, like, 12-year deals or something. Um, I think their deals and Kovalchuk's 17-year deal or however long it was, um, and the DiPietro one as well. One. Yeah, and D- Rick DiPietro's contract in the, on Long Island as well. I think that was, like, 15 years or whatever. Um I think those those deals were all the impetus for the owners and the PA to be like, let's shorten these yeah, contracts. That, Eight years max. Yeah. <laughs> that's like crazy to even think about that there used to be like that guys got signed for that long. Like when you said the Kovalchuk thing, I was like, oh yeah, right. He did get signed to like that massive like yep. deal. That it's crazy to think that back that there was a time. I mean, I guess it's not crazy when you think about the landscape of the NHL. Um, at a certain point, but just looking back on all those deals that you're like, mm, like, what were you thinking? Like, don't think you should have done that. And then obviously, like nine times out of ten, I, you could probably say ten out of ten, honestly, that those deals in the end come back to bite you. I think at some point. Kovalchuk's was weird because he signed it when he was really good, like it was kind of warranted, and then he just yeah. he just decided to leave. He was He's just like, like <laughs> he was like, he literally was like, I'm going to Russia. Goodbye. Like, it was so weird. Like, like the DPHO contract was different because we knew it was bad when it got signed. And then he got bad. Like, that was just like a, like a dumpster fire all around. But like the Kovalchuk deal, like, didn't look horrible for the Devils. It was a little eyebrow raising. But like, I mean, you get it. He's your franchise. And then he was just like, yeah. eh. bye. Yes. <laughs> 
like i'm gonna go somewhere else now like yeah like i just remember like hearing that they were like kovalchuk's like god i'm like what after he signed that massive deal he's just piecing out okay like go go off king i guess literally (laughs) go get your back somewhere else oh my god yeah and then he came back and then he decided i'm done again and left again What a weird, like, what a right, strange like man. One, one, two, yeah, because I remember he came back to, like, Los Angeles, and then I forget where he went after that, and I was like, all right, mm, nah. He went to the Capitals. Oh, yeah, so he's like, nah, I'm good now. Peace again. Um, I, I forgot to bring this up because it was, I did this earlier this week, but to wrap up, I want to talk about how I tried chickpea pasta. <gasps> yes. Yes. We need to know. I got a box of Bonza. I got a box of the Bonza wheels, and I had it with leftover. I made um like vegetarian meat sauce, um mm. like like a week ago, and I like freezed. I freezed it, so I I defrosted some of that, put it on the Bonza. I should have tried the pasta without any sauce on it, but with the sauce, it tasted just like pot. There was no difference. No difference okay. at all. So I understand maybe where Nate McKinnon's coming from of like, <laughs> let's have chickpea pasta instead because there's more protein in it. Athletes and protein, a match made in heaven. You know. So I kind of get it. I mean, if you can't, if you drown it in sauce, it just tastes like, just tastes like pasta. Pasta. Okay, valid. So that that's my little review. I should have. I have a little bit left. Um. So when I get back home, maybe I'll um. I'll make the rest and then just I'll have some of it like plain before I put whatever I put on it. Just a, a live just tasting on the show. Yeah, I'll do it right before we record the next time when I'm home, um, which live. will be in September. But uh, yeah, that was my little like my little food my little food review because I <laughs> I did try it because I I told my mom that I we were talking about chickpea pasta and she went to the store mm. and bought some for me. Love it. I love to say. So shout out to Joyce. I think what's funny about that is I think a couple days after we recorded like we went like me and my mom went grocery shopping when we were getting back uh, from somewhere and like I actually like I did we didn't get it because she was kind of like no um but then I actively like sought it out and like found it like to see that it was actually like in my grocery store right it's just it's hiding in plain sight it's just there right there well I don't I was like I don't normally go grocery shopping with her but I just, like, thought about it. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me see if, like, we actually sell this here. And I think I saw some other, like, bonzas. I think I saw, like, a bonza pizza, too. Um, oh, yeah. I think they do, like, we cauliflower pizza crusts. Yeah, I think I saw mm-hmm. that, too. Or something like yeah, that. I mean, she was, she was like, nah, we're not going to do this. And I'm like, all right, fair. Like, fair. I, probably do- I probably don't want to do it either. I will say I have had cauliflower pizza crusts and those slap. I was going to say cauliflower pizza crust is pretty yummy. But that, I forgot, I totally forgot about it till now, and I don't know why it struck me, but I guess it was the universe telling me you have to give your Bonza review, because I promised one, so. Love to see it. Make sure, if you're listening, thank you for listening, everybody, and just make sure that you, like, stick around, and if people are looking for the Bonza review, they have to stay till the end. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the real, the real meat of this podcast. The real, so the, the real meat is the not meat at all, because I had vegetarians. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That was good. That was good. Um, I guess the only other thing in the news, like, because right before we started recording, uh, Joe Thornton signed with Florida. Yeah, that yeah, was that, random. Huh? That in, I, 
that just happened, yeah. In typical retiree fashion, he's moving to Florida, so I'm guessing maybe we're to, yeah. we're coming to the end, and then he can retire to Boca like everybody else does. Yeah. Um, honestly, that that sets up the perfect. That that's too perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, if he wasn't going to stay in Toronto anymore, I think sunny Florida. It's definitely better weather. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, but I, I think it's interesting because obviously Joe Thornton is. I mean, he's the oldest player in the league, him and Patrick Marlowe. Um, And I find it interesting that he chose Florida. I mean, obviously the location's amazing and there's no, and as we all know from everyone talking about it all the time, there's no income in state income tax. Um, Yes. But all those things aside, like he's at a point in his career, like we keep talking about like wanting to win and everything. Like he just, he wants to win. He doesn't have a cup, you know, he's gotten really close, but he's never had a cup. And I find it interesting that he finds, I, I would think anyway that he finds Florida to be a place where potentially he could get a cup before he rides off into the sunset. Yeah, you know, don't yeah. think it would be my first choice. It wouldn't or, be mine, um, but I, I, I mean, I guess their run last year was enough to convince him. I mean, I wouldn't deny the chance to play with Barkov either, so. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it did have a lot to do with, with them last year. And I think they are that, like, sneaky contender that a lot of... I think we talked about this... I mean, obviously, this was before we had the podcast. We talked about this a lot, I think, last year. Um, or no, maybe it, it was when we did the... I don't know. I'm losing my mind. Um, when we were doing the bracket stuff, um, which feels like so long ago for some reason. <laughs> but, it, but it was only, like, a couple months ago. Um, that, that Florida's kind of that sneaky contender, I think, that yeah. a, a lot of people aren't paying attention to. So maybe Thornton saw that and was like, hmm, let me try this out in Florida. And, like, if not, like, oh, just retire to Florida. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And, like, yeah. I mean, they did give Tampa, like, a good fight in the playoffs. I mean, both – I think they did. I think both Carolina and and uh, Florida gave Tampa, like, a good run for their money. Like, I, I, I don't think their run to the cup was easy by any means. Um, mm-hmm. they're just, mm-hmm. they're the, they're the two time champions for a reason, uh, circumventing the cap or not. They're just <laughs> that good. Um, but I do think Florida, I mean, I think Aaron Ekblad's health had a lot to do with it. I think the, I think the series against Tampa, if Ekblad's there, I'm not saying that they win it, but I think they, it, it's even tighter than it was. Um, yeah. I think him being healthy next year will be a big like boost to them again if Bobrovsky can be better if he's Mm. if he could be the guy that they paid all that money to and decided to sign to that seven-year contract then they're in a really good spot I think I mean they didn't they lost Drieger to expansion but they have Spencer Knight um and they have some good prospects in their system and and they're they're they lost Keith Yandel but their defense is still pretty decent so and Joel Quenville I mean Need I say more? I mean, <laughs> need I say more? I mean, it's Joel Quenville. He's one of the best coaches in the world. So, yeah, um, I understand why it's enticing. I just find it fascinating how yeah. f- quickly Florida flipped from like the place we make fun of that like fans never come to games and that it's like always empty in their arena and no one wants to play there yeah. to like Joe Thornton signing there potentially because he thinks he can like get one one last run before maybe he retires because I don't know how much longer he's gonna play I mean who knows he could play yeah five more years but yeah I would love to see that honestly it's just him just 
each year just signing just one-year deals just to hope to make that. Because he's already, he's, he turned 42 in July. So the the man is, I mean, the man is up there, for, for sure. So I think it'd be fun to see, honestly, is him go on this mm. little run with teams each year of, of trying to get that elusive cup. Which team I mean, can so I win a cup with? Let's try all yeah. 32. Exactly. <laughs> at, yeah, at this point, might, might as well just go for it. Might, yeah, might right. as well just keep trying each year. Um, just to see which which team will, will be the one for him. That, that I think that would be a fun little series to follow. Is will Joe Thornton win a cup this year? Find out next with this team. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my goodness! That reminds me of when uh, Henrik Lundqvist was like coming to the end ish of his career, and I mean he might come back. Who knows? He is skating again um, after all his health issues and whatever. But um, when he was coming towards the end of his Rangers career. Uh, a friend and a, a friend of mine and I were talking about how they should just do like what they do in soccer, where you can like loan players, like European soccer, you can loan <laughs> players. Yeah, and because at the time, uh, I mean, I guess they still are, but the Leafs were like desperate for goalies, right? So my 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 friend was like, "Listen, we can just loan Henrik Lundqvist to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then he'll go win a cup with them, and then we get him back." Yeah, I mean, they do that in the minor leagues in the NHL. True. I know you can loan AHL guys. Yeah, and you can loan like ECHL guys. So unless like, you're unless you're Tony hmm. D'Angelo and no one wants you. This is fair. true. That's a this fair point. True. But I mean, who wouldn't want like Henry Lundqvist? Fair, very fair. I would. I mean, <laughs> even still, I would want Henry Lundqvist on my team. I've seen a lot of Rangers fans saying like, if Hank is help if is really healthy again, then trade Gorgiev and bring back Hank as Igor's backup, which I don't think he would ever do, but. Well, who knows? <laughs> it, I will say though, if Hank does when he eventually retires, I would love for him to sign like just like a one day contract with the Rangers so he can retire a I, Ranger. I feel yeah. like that's more. I feel like that's pretty likely, honestly, with, with the career he had there, with with how much of the fan base loved him there. I think that's a very fair and very likely thing to happen. Patrick Sharp did it in Chicago recently, so. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. But that's, that's, I hope, <laughs> I just selfishly want him to retire a Ranger. As do I. As do I. I could go on a whole other rant another time about how he's one of the best goalies of our generation. So true. And you would be correct. You would not be wrong. Yeah, that would be a fair assessment, I feel. Yeah. La- not this, not yesterday at Smash Fest, but last time I went to Smash Fest, so 2019, um, I was talking to Dom actually about, because um, we were getting ready. We had just drafted Kako, I think. Um, like a couple months prior and uh, I was just we were talking about the future of the team and all that and he was like you know I just Dom, Dominic Moore was like you know I just really want you guys to win it for Hank <laughs> yeah me too, and me I, too I, think, I think I think about that a lot Um, but that's that was my little tidbit bringing it full circle to the beginning of the episode so true full circle love to see it Um, but yeah I think we're at about time um, we're at yes. about an hour and 10 minutes. So uh, this episode was a little all over the place, uh, but it was fun. I'm still thinking about the book fair. Um, but thank you all for listening to our episode this week. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Beauties Pod. Um, we're trying to, I mean, I, you know, life gets in the way, but we're really trying to build up um, our presence on Twitter and post like snippets or memes or whatever 
interact with you guys. We did a little poll about chickpea pasta. Most people haven't had it. <laughs> um, but yeah, follow us there if you haven't already. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.